0: Joining us right now, friend of mine, Hannah Kaiser. You might have seen her on SNY's Baseball Night in New York. You might have seen her on MLB Now with BK. You might have seen her with me on Off Base on MLB Network. You might have seen her just covering baseball. Uh, I admire Hannah. I think she's great. Hannah, welcome back to the fan. I've had you on before, right?
3: Oh, my gosh. That was such a lovely intro. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I got I to gotta do that before I, I have you on. I think I said I had you on with uh x and with lg i think in 2022 when we were doing off base yeah i remember that i don't remember what we talked about
3: i was about to say i was was about to say the same thing i feel like it was right before all-star maybe we talked all-star stuff i just remember it being shortly before i flew out to oh gosh where was that all-star game i can't remember
0: l.a LA. yeah Yeah. yeah. did you like the la all-star better than seattle
3: Oh, my gosh, not at all. I thought Seattle was the best yeah, all-star Seattle. I have been to.
0: I had never been to Seattle, so I absolutely loved it.
3: I told everyone I saw from the league, including Rob Manfred, I ran into him at the draft, and I was like, we got to do it in Seattle every year. And he was like, ha-ha, we're not doing that it's- so
0: much. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's like competition for where <laughs> yeah, the host exactly. cities are going to be. But yeah, Seattle was a great host city, and and I I got to go back and see the Yankees out there. Well, let's start with Rob. Let's start with Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred said he's checking out. He's done. He said, uh, you know, there's only so much fun you could have. Uh, what are your <laughs> thoughts on Rob Manfred as the commissioner and him being done in the next like five years? I think 2029.
3: Yeah, I'll be really interested to see whether or not. So I think he's got five years to secure what I know he would like to have his legacy be, which is overseeing this transition away from the RSN, the Regional Sports Network model, to something more modern, more more sustainable going forward. I think it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see whether or not he's able to pull that off in a way that changes how fans feel about him. I'm interested, to you maybe have a better sense of how fans feel, whether or not um, the rule changes last year. Whether they they made some fans happier with Rob or not, because he seems very he's very unpopular for a while, and I get Manfred that. Manfred League the...
0: Baseball, that's what it's called. Manfred League Baseball. <laughs> Manfred's Man on Second.
3: But the rule changes were good, and if he can pull off uh, the blackouts thing, I think that's the big question for his legacy is. Um, He gets blamed for everything, obviously, and he should. He's the commissioner. But the blackouts in particular are something that, like, if you read almost any article about broadcast or the RSNs or anything, all the comments are people being like, well, just end the blackouts. And that's a really, really difficult task. Uh, There's, like, you know, 30 teams with 30 contracts, and they all expire at different times. And it does seem to be something that Rob is really serious about trying to tackle. I don't know if five years is enough to oversee a full transition away from Bali and whatever else, whoever else is airing RSNs these days. And like, but I think that's part of his plan. it'll be interesting to see, um, I think the Amazon investing in Bali really set them back in in a sense. And so I wonder if they're able to to even get that process started. I mean, because he, I was really struck. So today was his press conference in spring training, not a ton of news other than his in, intention to step down coming out of that. But this was the same press conference last year where I was really taken aback by how openly he talked about wanting to bring a lot of the broadcast in-house under the league umbrella and to make them available via streaming. And then we saw over the course of last year with the the Padres and Diamondbacks both having to give up their both getting dropped by their RSN and and they were available via streaming. So I thought that was so interesting last year when he just like openly talked about that being the plan, and then that started to play out, and then it feels like it's kind of gotten stalled by the whole bankruptcy and the way that that's dragged on and Amazon investing. So yeah, that's my that's a very long winded answer, but I no, think- but I love
0: it. I love it, Hannah, because <laughs> I I worked at Fubo TV, so I know a lot about you know the streaming and the RSNs and. Uh, the markets, and I also was in the fan cave where every day we had to turn on every single Major League Baseball game, and I I didn't know anything outside of the YES Network, and I learned back then all of these different channels, and uh, we used MLB.TV then, and we had the whole league package, but I was screaming about this last night. I was saying that MLB has the power to fix this. MLB has the power to change this, and I don't think it'll take five years. It's going to take longer because they sign these deals for decades. These deals get done for 10-year blocks, and here's the next thing. You you queued it up, right? So you you mentioned Amazon, and I don't know if folks know this, but Diamond Sports, the parent company of Bally Sports, and like Bally Sports has regional sports networks like Bally Southwest and Valley Southwest has the rights to broadcast the World Series-winning Texas Rangers. So with them going bankrupt and all the issues that they had, like, this affects the Rangers. But here comes Amazon with all the money in the world and Jeff Bezos to save the day. And and I think there's a deal with them that they struck just for one year, just for this season. I was reading an article Mm -hmm. about how, you know, Valley Southwest reached an agreement with Amazon and they'll broadcast the Rangers games. But here's the next question, like, When we were in the lockout, um, and even when we were in the pandemic, like these last few years of baseball, somebody should be writing a book on these last few years of baseball because, like, remember when we were in the um, pandemic and they were talking about how much, like, the owners were crying poor and how much money they Mm -hmm. didn't make because they didn't have the gate and they didn't have fans, and we were like, okay, well, show us your books then. Let us know how much money you were making versus not making this year. And then you have the lockout, and they had the new CBA. And now we're in this place now where I think baseball is healthy. I think the rule changes actually help the sport. I think um, last year's baseball season was great. But then you have the Texas Rangers claiming that they can't sign players until they figure out their Bally Sports television rights deal. And Chris Young comes out yesterday to say that, okay, they're done signing players. And now this deal got done literally three days ago. And then Chris Young comes out yesterday to say they're done signing players. And there's reports that former Yankee, Jordan Montgomery, was going to sign with yep. the Rangers. But now we're like, okay, so I don't know. I feel like they they never tell the truth. They're always lying. And, and, and as fans, we don't really know. As reporters, I'm sure you guys try to get to the bottom of all of this.
3: The I, I was particularly, when I saw D.Y. come out and say that, I immediately thought of Jordan Montgomery because I was like, oh, I really thought he might end up back there because they were, they were a team that was so willing to spend and – the Marcus Stroman and Corey Seager offseason was got all the attention, but the amount they were willing to spend on pitching this past year and just like continue taking on pitchers and that's what ended up allowing them to win the World Series. Just just having that incredible pitching depth. So it is really disappointing to see that. It's. I think the sport is really healthy. You're right. I think the rule changes were like a a big boost to baseball's PR in some ways. (laughs) I just think, like, it's incredible to me, and I'm sure it is to you as someone who loves it year in and year out to just see the amount of enthusiasm that, like, a pitch clock can bring to the sport. So it is really healthy. Because casuals don't
0: want to go to the ballpark for four hours. Casuals don't want to sit down and watch a four-hour game. I'm I'm watching the game from first pitch to last out, but casuals want to be in and out of there. And two and a half hours is in and out of there with the pitch clock.
3: And they're they're going to a little bit more this year. But I think the right, I think the sport is healthy. The tricky thing is that right now we're living through this transition period where each team is kind of in an individual position with respect to their broadcast revenue. And that is a really bad spot for the sport to get stuck in for a long time, because it shouldn't be that, you know, the Yankees know exactly how much money they're making for the next 10 years. But the. Rangers only have one year guaranteed even any kind of broadcast. That's really an unhealthy spot for the sport to be stuck in, and I would like to see them come up with something. And I know it's tricky because, again, these teams do operate and sign these deals on their own, but you're right. like The league does need to, at some point, provide a holistic solution to teams so that way they don't get caught in a position where – the competitive aspect is being affected by these off-field business deals because you're right. It's it sort of it, it feels like well, how could the Rangers, the reigning champions, be a team that has to pare back their payroll? And it's like, well, because of these like factors that fans don't find interesting, and it, they're not interesting. <laughs> and yeah, so I think the transition is tricky. I know that um, the league would like in the far-off future to have uh, all the broadcast revenues, yeah. local and national, under one umbrella so they can have everything sort of distributed more equally. But that's going to be a really tough
0: battle to get to. Uh, that's, yeah, it's not gonna, I mean, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, here in New York, obviously, the Yankees have the Yes Network and the Mets have SNY. I mean, we're kind of spoiled because that's all we know. It's not this, you know, it's not that... It's not that way across the country. Uh, in my opinion, it should just be baseball for all. They talk about growing the game and making the game available. Well, how do you do that? How do you grow the game and make the game available if people can't watch it, if there's blackouts, if there's uh, bankruptcy in, in some of these RSNs? I think they, they could simplify it by putting it all just on an app. Like, I hate to compare them to the NFL, but, like, the NFL has NFL Plus, And they're like, if you want to watch all the NFL games, which I understand the NFL games are really only three days a week, uh, Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, and really, you know, all of us watch football on Sundays. It's completely different than 30 teams playing 162 games pretty much every day for seven months. But, like, they have to find a way where the baseball fan, especially with where we are in the future and, and, and streaming now, the baseball fan can watch whatever team, whatever game on their phone, even if we got to pay a little bit for it. There shouldn't be any, you know, blackouts or whatever. But, I don't know, maybe Rob... We'll get there. We're on the phone right now with Hannah Kaiser. Hannah, um, I, I, this is kind of awkward to ask you, but you're not with Yahoo Sports anymore. How long until you sign with The Athletic, and who are you, who are you writing for this, this season?
3: <laughs> um, well, we'll see if the, if The Athletic is interested. They should give me a call. I actually have a story coming out probably early next week. I'm doing some freelancing for Baseball America. Um, I just turned in a story for them actually about the season length and whether or not they should ever shorten the regular season since there's so much interest in – league interest, I should say uh, – in endlessly expanding the postseason. I'm curious, Keith, what did you think of the expanded postseason?
0: I mean, um, I don't hate it, especially because <laughs> – like... Uh, the Yankees are probably going to need it, and uh, other teams are going to need it. And I don't, I don't. You know what? I didn't like the one game wild card elimination. I felt like that was cheap. I didn't like that because in baseball we play series. So like a right. one game do or die situation. Like I didn't, I didn't like that. So now it's expanded, and we get more baseball, which I'm down for. And we get a three game series. I'm, I'm for it. Um, I don't, I don't mind it at all. And I know that we're going to um, get to the point where they shorten. The season. I know that uh, we're not going to see 162 because, I mean, they were flirting with that idea as we go back to the lockout, and baseball fans were fighting for it. No, we need 162.
3: It's crazy. I was looking into it for this story when Rob first took over as commissioner back in 2014 ahead of the 2015 season. This is one of the first things that people asked him about was like, would we ever go back to 154 games? Because and that at the time, it was all about like, oh, they're using so many pitchers. And can you believe, like, nobody makes starts on three days' rest anymore? And now it's like every team, it feels like, has a six man rotation. And so it's only become even more exasperated, but exacerbated. But then, right, you add in the expanded postseason and just how many sheer number of games it takes to go from opening day to the end of the World Series. I mean, if we want the World Series to be the best baseball, you do need teams to like be able to have their best players still be healthy and still be, I don't know, have enough energy to play by the time they get to the World Series. So I think you're right. I think there is, this is what I sort of looked into for Baseball America, was like, is there any kind of financial incentive to shorten the regular season? And that's tough, because in the past, whenever they've talked about it, It's always been like, well, the players would have to take less money, and then the players are like, that's a non-starter, which is totally fair. That's their right. If they're willing to play 162 games and get paid for all of them, that's their their prerogative. But I do think that at some point we'll hit a a tipping point where there's so much motivation to expand the playoffs even further that it will maybe make financial sense to to take some games out of the regular season just to make that happen. I don't know. I'll be interested to see – what people think in response to that story?
0: Yeah, we're we're gonna get there because of weather. I mean, how many games get postponed? How many games get rained out that they gotta make up and figure out? We'll get them. I mean, here in New York, they don't want to put a dome over Citi Field or Yankee Stadium. We'll get there because of weather. Where they'll they'll just they'll cut out the cold games. I honestly hate that. I hate going to Yankee Stadium. Like uh, two years ago, I went to the first um, like all of the games because I was like baseball hungry. From not being able to go to the game in um, 2020, I went. I bought out the first, like, 11 or 12 games, and all of those games sucked. It was either raining or cold. Yeah. We had to get uh, chopsticks shoved up our noses, COVID tests to get in, and I was like, this isn't fun. <laughs> and I spent, like, $900 on those tickets, and I was like, this was, the, this was not a good return on investment. Uh, I think there is a thought that baseball will start in, like, May, like, either after Cinco de Mayo or after Memorial Day weekend, as long as the players get paid. And that'll help guys, you know, stay healthy for the best part of baseball at the end in, in October. Um yeah. let's talk about the Mets. Let's talk about the New York Mets. Uh, a couple things, right? So David Stearns. David Stearns comes in here from Milwaukee. And I've been talking about David Stearns this week, and I'm saying that this guy is learning and he's adjusting. And I think he's he's realizing like we're not in Wisconsin anymore. Anything you say is gonna be picked apart by these fans. You gotta choose your words carefully. Um, even with the moves that you made and how you justify them and what you say about this team, like you really have to uh, just realize now you're in New York with the New York media and these Mets fans have podcasts and YouTube channels and they're breaking down every single sentence that you say, and they already don't like you. And I'm sure he wants to be liked. And what I say is that if you give this guy three years, he's going to erase the three years that we've seen under Steve Cohen The richest owner in the sport and Billy Epler and Buck Showalter and bringing in old pitchers and giving them $40 million. He's going to erase that from your mind and he's going to actually build you a contender. And I think that this would be the end of the LOL Mets, the laughing stock Mets. Like they will consistently be a team that can win and with the expanded postseason, possibly be in the postseason every year. What do you think about that?
3: Well, David Stearns has never overseen in his time in Milwaukee a losing team in a full season. So outside of 2020. He never had a team, a Brewers team that finished under 500. Someone pointed this out to me recently, and I that gave me a lot of confidence because I was just thinking about the fact that, like, there is a lot of talent still on this Mets team, especially if they can hang on to Pete Alonso. Were you, uh, were you referring to his Pete Alonso comments about how he's got to maybe watch what he says because it's going to get picked apart? Because I was surprised. Yes. I was surprised to see him be like yeah yeah I think I think we probably won't talk about it until because they week. I mean
0: and you know the reporters they ask him every time that they yeah. get a chance about a pete Alonso extension and what do they think of Pete and well if you didn't extend him yet do you not plan on extending him do you not like Pete is there something wrong is he a cancer in the clubhouse like
3: yeah he's got a, he, I saw, i think he saw him say something about how he's like you know you guys can't ask me about all the time and it's like they can they can and they will
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> they will <laughs> yeah that's exactly yeah, what they're gonna, they're gonna do what do you say um, I, I, am, I am pretty confident in David Stearns and his ability to take the Steve Cohen money and the talent that they already have in that clubhouse and at least deliver a winning ball club year in and year out. I mean, I, at the end of last year, I was thinking about how, like, I would rather be a Mets fan going into 2024 than a Yankees fan maybe. <laughs> if I had to pick a fandom for life. The Yankees will probably be better than the Mets this year. They got Judd, they got Cole, they got Soto. They're going to be just fine. But I do think that the Mets are in a good position. They were able to recoup a lot of young farm system talent for the pitchers that they traded at the deadline last year. And they did go out and make some systemic changes, bringing in David Stearns. And I think that they set themselves up to be more sustainable going forward. And so I think you're right. I think like this is a this is a a good start to a new era that maybe people thought started three years ago, but maybe actually starts now in New York.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, we're on the phone with Hannah Kaiser. I should have tweeted out that Hannah Kaiser's joining us, but I know you don't care about Twitter. Twitter is cesspool, and uh, mostly people on Twitter just hide. Uh, Their hands, they throw stones and hide their hands, and they say terrible things about all of us, and you don't ever get to see their face or their government name, but um, I still like to give people a shout-out, and I think you're great at what you do, and I'm glad you're joining us. I wanted to say this about the Mets, and going off of what you said about being a fan of one or the other, I think that we're on polar opposite sides going into this year, and I think that... You know the Yankees. The expectations always a World Series, but now it's ramped up even more for this one year. It's the last year of Aaron Boone's contract. You get a one-year Juan Soto deal. You get a one-year Alex Verdugo deal. Uh, Stroman's here for a year too. A Torres is in a prove-it year. Judge is back. You hope that he's healthy. Cole is coming off a Cy Young. There's just so many things that are you know upping the ante for the yankees where it's like you better win you better even the way they're talking in spring training right now we're hell bent on being a champion and marcus stroman talking about i'm ring hunting with the squad like that makes me nervous as a fan that makes me nervous as someone who has gone 15 years i'm a grown man now i'm married with a child the last time the yankees won the world series i was like going and pick up going to pick up handles and kegs and like throwing parties as we watch the ALCS World Series. Like, it, it's been a long time. On the other side with the Mets, I feel like the bar is set so low, the expect- expectations are so low because of the last few years of going out and buying the Max Scherzers and Justin Verlanders and Starling Marte and, you know, re-signing Brandon Nimmo that, like, you know, when expectations are low, you you can't really be disappointed the only yeah. way is up. And, you know, even Lindor coming in, talking, I think Lindor is really taking a, a stance of, like, the elder state statesman, the veteran working with Brett, Brett Beatty, Vientos. And I think they have a good mix of young talent, of veterans that are proven, that have done it. Edwin Diaz coming back. Pete Alonzo trying to prove to everyone that he's a $300 million player. Um Brandon Nimmo moving over to left field, but he's got center field money. Harrison Bader wants to prove that he's a guy. Luis Severino wants to prove that he's not done. Like, all of that energy together, if the bar is set at them having 76 wins, 80 wins, I think they can do that. And as a fan, you want to go on that magic carpet ride with a team with low expectations that you know Lindor came out today and say, hey, uh, no one was expecting the Diamondbacks to get there, but I bet they were. These guys are competitors. They're going to step between those lines and compete and try to win, and they can get hot. I've said this as well, and I'll pass it back to you. Last year, they went through June and didn't win a series. I don't expect there to be a month of this season where they can't win a series.
3: Yeah, and and especially I think the, it'll be really interesting to see they made some really interesting rotation moves to, to add pitching they had to add pitching they had like essentially no pitching they had you know gotten rid of Scherzer and Berlin at the deadline they had basically no starters left and so they brought in a lot of really interesting question marks in Luis Severino and Sean Mania, particularly and I guess Adrian Hauser as well and I think that right now those names are really like they're not doing much for fans and you're like okay I don't know how to sort of apply an expectation to those pitchers in particular, especially because they're coming off of years where they didn't pitch a ton. But they made those moves for a reason. And if that pans out, then you're right. Then you're looking at a, a strong position player core in Alonzo Lindor, Nimo. And then you if you have a rotation to pair with, that that's a good team. And the bullpen is good with, with Diaz back. The issue will be if those pitchers don't pan out because pretty quickly you get into like Tyler McGill, David Peterson, guys who they Joey have always had, Exactly. Guys <laughs> they've always had as their depth and who they've never really wanted to have to start on a regular basis. So I think a lot of it is gonna come down to what is it that the Mets saw in Luis Severino and Sean Maniah in particular that made them think that, that was a gamble worth taking? And do those guys deliver on that? That's a I mean, what do you think of Luis Severino coming from a
0: Yankees fan perspective. I, I, I used to love Sevi. Like, Sevy was supposed to be the homegrown ace that was promised, and his fire and his energy on the mound, he was a dog. I used to call him Sevi Houdini because he would get into a jam and escape and get out of it, and it would fire us up. But last year and the past few years, after yeah. he signed that contract, He was never healthy. He was never available. And I I honestly hated watching him pitch last year because we needed to win games. And the Yankees said, well, he's healthy. He's available. We're going to start him. And and you went into those games knowing you didn't stand a chance. The game was over in the first or second inning. He got rocked. He was tipping his pitches. He was pitching batting practice. And it didn't matter if it was the Braves. It didn't matter if it was the White Sox. Like, we were losing those games, and it made me hate Severino. He literally got in front of the media and said, I'm the worst pitcher in baseball right now. He knew it. We knew it. But the Yankees kept running him out there. To see the Mets sign him, I was like, of course. Of course they're going to take a flyer on him. But I'm not hating on him. I hope he does well. I hope he does his thing. But, man, he was terrible last year.
3: He was terrible. I'm looking at his baseball reference page right now, and it's crazy to think that in 2017 and 2018, back-to-back years, he was 23 and 24. He made... 31 and 32 starts he made the all-star team both years he had a 2.98 era and a 3.39 era you're right there was that he could maybe he could be that guy again and then yeah now they were looking at the last three years 19 starts 19 starts four starts 6.65 era last year right it's it's that and that's that there you go that's the Mets kind of that's the the question that's hanging in the balance is like yeah. which Louis Severino are you going to They get? gave
0: him 13 million dollars for a one-year deal and I'm like and they did it so early I'm like that's nuts that's crazy but I wish him well like there were there were there was good Seve but in the last few years the what have you done for us lately, nothing. And he was so bad. And he ended his season hurt again. He was supposed to be paired up with Garrett Cole. That was supposed to be the, the homegrown ace and then Cashman's white whale, Garrett Cole. Those two, uh, one A and one B. And, and we never actually got that. Maybe he becomes that with Kodai Senga for the Mets this year. Here's here's the last thing for the you know, the Mets. I think their bullpen is gonna be much improved. Their bullpen was trash last year. Their bullpen was terrible. Everybody that came out of that bullpen, like once. Edwin Diaz went down in the World Baseball Classic. I know they had a D-rob, but other than that, like, they had a lot of problems. I can't even remember some of the bums that were coming out. Uh, Drew Smith, Jeff Brigham. um, They just had bad guys coming out of the bullpen that could not get it done, and I think that David Stearns fixed that. He knew that that was the main issue, and – he fixed it, so I do believe that if they get leads this year, and if their starting pitching can hold for five, six innings and hand the ball over to the bullpen, I mean, you can get Edwin Diaz in there in the eighth. They're going to win some games, steal some games from some teams, and I'll leave you, you know, lastly with this. Maybe they catch up to your Philadelphia Phillies. I know you love mm, the Phillies. I do love. <laughs>
3: I think people are sleeping on the Phillies, man. I feel like people talk about Red like October. Oh, the have got what a this collapse! And I'm like, what the Phillies? Um, I think you're right. I, I, on You mentioned at the top that I do some SNY, Baseball Night in New York. I felt like every week last year we were talking about how just taking Edwin Diaz out of the bullpen pushed everybody into positions where they weren't comfortable and they weren't capable. And it felt like it was having this compounding effect night after night where they were – using their high leverage guys in games that they ended up losing and so then they had no one left for the next time they had a lead. You're right. A bad bullpen can really spiral. I'm looking just at like straight up Fangrass war. Last year Mets were second to last in relief pitcher war, only above Oakland. And uh Fangrass this year in terms of projections, they have the bullpen at number thirteen. So that's a that's you know middle of pack, but better than average. And we're talking about 29th to 13th. That's a good improvement.
0: Yeah, they were running out. Dominic Leone, uh, Ngozic. I don't know. They had some bums. I, I I never really watched the Mets until I started working at WFAN as part of the gig. <laughs> they had some guys come out of the bullpen. I'm like, you don't stand a chance. Here goes the game. They're going to blow it. But um, I've now taken you on a 30-minute ride on WFAN. I think I I, I took you over the time. Usually I, I do these for like 15, maybe 20 minutes. But it, it's good to talk baseball with you it's good to hear your voice I hope you're well I look forward to reading your articles wherever they are and, and I hope to see you in Caucus at MLB Network this season
3: I would love to and I hope to uh see you around the ballpark so
0: yeah I'll be you know where to find me I'll be in the press area for a little bit then I'll get uncomfortable and I'll go then to section 203 yeah you can come to the bleachers, you
3: in the bleachers. <laughs> thank you